Welcome to Beyond Our Focus. I'm Welcome to Beyond Our Focus. I'm Stefan. This is Amanda, and this is Let's Palaver about this really long title for this book. That's what it is. <laughs> it's uh, Stephen King's The Dark Tower, Book Three: The Wastelands. We'll get to all the other weird things as we go in, but we're just now starting Book Three, the very first half chapter of Book Three. Half chapter. Half. chapter. That even doesn't even, oh yeah, half chapter, I guess yeah. it is. I, it really is. This is only has six chapters in it. There are two books and six chapters. So, they're long, they're, really, they're much longer, so we're doing about half a chapter a time. So, yes. we'll get to part two of chapter one next week. Should take us about six weeks to get through. There might be some of the wonky stuff, so maybe seven. Somewhere around there, we should be able to get through this. Oh, jumping in, this, like I mentioned, is book one called Fear in a Handful of Dust. Yes. Chapter one, <laughs> Barren Bone. Uh, the book one is Jake. Jake. I forgot Jake. Did I say Jake? I just heard fear in a handful of dust. Maybe I didn't. Book one, Jake. Which, of course, you've been following along. You know who Jake is. Yes. And literally, the book starts out with the rose, which is just a little... I don't, I don't quite know if it's an excerpt from just later on in the book, or if it's something he wrote specifically to start out. I don't have it in mind. Maybe. It's just probably for that, just for that book. Oh. Well, it's pretty much just... <laughs> It's uh, Jake seeing a rose and just how he was drawn to it and he could feel like something moving inside it and he's just gazing at it. That seems like a piece from the book. I don't know. But it says, The fear returned, only now it had become outright terror. It's right, he thought incoherently. Everything here is right, but it could go wrong. That's no, that's from the, the book. Place. Yeah, that is from the book. It looks like he just took a piece out of it that he liked and shoved it at the front. And then, of course, you have an argument. But see, this particular series has the on being nineteen, which was in the first one as well, and in oh, the second one, okay. and in this one. It's just the beginning of all these. This, I guess this particular series of ones that I got oh. on being nineteen and a few other things, oh. which is pretty interesting. I didn't read it this time. Oh. I've already read it, so. Well, mine, I do have a couple then, notes from the argument. So. I had, like, one thing from the argument. So, and it's the very last thing. So, starts off with whatever you have from the argument. Um, well, mine literally was just the fact that uh, it talks about Jake again. <laughs> But yeah, the argument get, seems to be a reminder of yeah. Kind of, this is what's happened. Yeah, this is pretty much. It kind of gives you just an overview of okay, so Roland met a boy who died in his world or died in our world, and he was pushed by, of course, Walter. Walter. Um, and then it. The other one that I wrote down was Mort and Jake because it says. Roland learns that Mort may stand at the heart of another mystery as well, one which is also a potentially mind-destroying paradox. 
For the victim Mort is stalking at the time the gunslinger steps into his life is none other than Jake, the boy Roland met at the way station and lost under the mountains. Roland has never had any cause to doubt Jake's story of how he died in our world, or any cause to question whose Jake murderer was, Walter, of course. Jake saw him dressed as a priest as the crowd gathered around the spot where he lay dying. Nor does he doubt it now, Walter was there. But suppose it was Jack, not Walter, who pushed Jake. Is such a thing possible? Roland can say not for sure, but if that is the case, where is Jake now? Dead? Alive? Caught somewhere in time? And if Jake Chambers is still alive and well in his own world of Manhattan, how is it that Roland still remembers him? The only thing I had was the I literally one of the very last lines of this. Like, yeah, I, I that just that was, wrote last two paragraphs, but yeah. Which was pretty interesting in my opinion. I just like how it concluded. 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 Just Eddie is learning to carve. But yeah, the whole end is nice. Yeah. The wasteland takes up the story of those three pilgrims on the face of Midworld, some months after the confrontation by the final door on the beach. They have moved far away inland, or far, some far, they, they have moved some fair way inland. The period of rest is ending, and the period of learning has begun. Susanna is learning to shoot, Eddie is learning to carve, and Roland is learning how it feels to lose one's mind. One piece at a time. And then, of course, Stephen King was like, my New York readers will know I took some liberties, so just just don't hate me for it. <laughs> but uh, Roland, you're making worlds here. <laughs> Come on. Um, but the line right before that starts is actually really cool, too. And it's just that they've uh, his old friends have been replaced by Eddie and Susanna mm. but the gunslinger has a way of being bad medicine for his friends very bad medicine indeed yeah, yeah that he does that he does his old friends are dead Jake is dead <laughs> twice twiceish twice two 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 and two and almost a half well no I guess he stopped them the next time. It's all weird. We're playing with time. It's weird. Bear and bone. Bear and bone. I just wrote down the opening line. Okay. Yeah. It was her third time with live ammunition and her first time on the draw from the holster Roland had rigged for her. So we now... Well, obviously, unless there's another her we don't know about. <laughs> all in one her. Susanna is learning to shoot. Yes. As we read in the previous little thing. Uh, Roland has taken her out. He's uh, very sure made sure that uh, she has a holster that is properly fitted and made for her <laughs> as comfortably as humanly possible. Yes. And also that we we now know they have more ammunition because Roland brought it back. Yes. But what the one one of the lines that I liked is that but having ammunition in plenty did not mean it could be wasted. The gods frowned upon wastrels, and it says Roland had been raised first by his father and then by court. To believe this, and so he still believed. The gods might not punish at once, but sooner or later the penance would have to be paid, and the longer the wait, the greater the wait. Yeah, so you don't waste. You don't waste anything. Period. Ever. Yay! 
Sorry, I just Definitely heard. paper, which they do plenty oh, of. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Roland, appalled. But yes, um, of course, he find, he, uh, her and Eddie are learning fast. He, Roland knew they were gunslingers. That's right. As he suspected, both were born gunslingers. Oh, my brain. That's oh, weird. What? I have this picture here, and you don't. No, mine's later on. Right. Well, they, they, oh, they moved them. They, yeah, they take right so there. many liberties, it's not even funny. Right there. Well, mine's... Honestly, mine is closer to when it happens. <laughs> <laughs> so Not ten pages beforehand? Yeah, not ten pages beforehand. <laughs> so, yeah. Mine's a little bit... When we get to that, we'll show you the picture. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Mine's a different... Is mine a different color? Oh, it's a really no, good. okay. It's... Yours just looked faded from this angle. I don't know why. But no, it's the same coloration. Yeah, it's the same picture. But anyway, so we have come to pretty much... Um, they've been... Throughout this time, Roland has been teaching them all the things that Court taught him. They've been learning to hunt animals. They've been learning to use every piece of the animal so that nothing is wasted. They've been learning to listen. They've been learning to track. Anything and everything that they need to be good gunslingers, Roland has been there. Of course. Um, so we have now approached a time in which Susanna and Roland are out on their own because Eddie has decided to stay back. Stay back at camp. So he takes Susanna out. And the lesson was still most important. How to shoot and how to hit what you get, what you shot at every time. How to kill. How to kill. Yes, one of my more favorite lines in this particular chapter. Probably a little after what we just got. Included shorts, blah, 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 blah. Uh, it says, and fire was an evil stuff yes. that, lighted, <laughs> that delighted in escaping hands which crafted it. Yes. I like that line too. I... We, we also find out that they had, they're finding primitive artifacts from past people sent before the world moved on, like pottery and stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, also that, they call them the, uh, there had people, there had been people in this forest in some distant time. So yeah, obviously the no one's alive. Roland's still bugging Susanna. Yes. Last <laughs> chance the gunslinger said. If that holster's uncomfortable, even in the slightest bit, tell me now. We didn't come here to waste ammunition. She cocked a sardonic eye at him, and for a moment he could see Dedo Walker in there. It was like hazy sunlight winking off a bar of steel. What would you do if it was uncomfortable? And I didn't tell you. I missed all six of those itty-bitty things. Walk me upside the head like that old teacher of yours used to? Of course not. You can't whack a grown adult upside the head. Which, that, the, ne the next line was actually one of my favorites. Is The gunslinger smiled. He had done more smiling the last five weeks than he had done in the five years which had come before them. And I was like, aww. Well, he's been with good people. He's been with good company. We've been with people that understand a little joy and a little happiness here occasionally. I come from our world and not his dead 
horrible, <laughs> miserable world. They but yes. I can't do that to you, and you know it. We were children, for one thing. Children who hadn't been through our rights of manhood yet. You may slap a child to correct him or her, but... And of course, Susanna's like, no, no, no. That's frowned upon in our world, too. You can't <laughs> slap a child. And he's like... It was hard for him to imagine that sort of world. Did the not did not the great book say, "Spare not the birch, so you spoil not the child"? <laughs> That's great. I'll discipline the child. You need to be having every now and then. Your world has not moved on, he said. Many things are different there. Did I not see that for myself? And then he just pretty much says, "In any case, you and Eddie are not children." No, they are not. So what are you going to do if I shoot badly? I'll look at you. I think that's all I need to do. <laughs> I think that's all I need to do. Just just look at you. Then we get a nice little description of her new her new holster, which is made out of Roland's old holster. Which he's not going to need anymore. Yes. Thanks to the abstrosities, he was strictly a left-handed gun now. Doesn't have an option. He's missing some very important fingers to make that work. (laughs) And of course, she starts making. She starts to kind of just edge at him a little bit, and he's just like, "I gotta gotta call. I have to have patience. It's fine." (laughs) Tell me your lesson again, Susanna. It's also interesting. She sighed and mocked the spreadsheet, but it was supposed to be blah, blah, blah. Uh, or is it here or is it later? I guess. It... Which part? Mm, I guess it's later. It's no. not right here. No, this is the one where she goes through mm-hmm. it and, and then at the very end of it breaks off. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a nice, fun little thing, though. It is nice. The, the, the little the the lesson. lesson. Yeah. The lesson. I've always liked the lesson. Uh, it's it, We got it in the first book, I believe, because Roland would say it to himself. Mm-hmm. He said it to himself in Tall before shooting everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm pretty sure he started screaming parts of it while he did it. But yes. So we got the lesson. I do not aim with my hand. She who aims with her hand has forgotten the face of her father. I aim with my eye. I do not shoot with my hand. She who shoots with her hand has forgotten the face of her father. I shoot with my mind. I do not kill with my gun. And she broke off pointing at the shiny stones of the boulder. I'm not going to kill anything anyhow. They're just itty bitty rocks. Good old Roland. And he goes into his little monologue how oh, he actually he likes teaching yeah he's like he, he he could teach more he liked to teach and found himself wondering from time to time if it had been true of court as well he guessed that it had been and what little note we didn't mention before all this like directly before all this is he heard crows in the background and he just ignored it and this is the second time that suddenly the crows are acting a little weird and so he's just kind of pushing it to the back again. Yes. It says, Some part of Roland's mind registered the fact that the new cries were agitated rather than merely quarrelsome. These birds had sounded if they had been scared up and away from whatever they had been feeding on. But he had no time. 
Got the time for that. Nobody got time for that. But then he he and he realizes that this is always going to happen. They're always going to take little, you know, bites. That as they're being taught, they're always going to test the boundaries and everything, and he needs them to. But he's going to push back. <laughs> oh, does he ever? No, he said, they're not rocks. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Yeah, and he, he, he really gets under her skin. Mm, mm-hmm. I mean, if there was ever a way to get under someone's skin, he gets under her skin so badly. Oh, yeah. He, she already started leaning towards that Detta Walker attitude, so he just takes it and runs with it. Oh, does he ever. There's a lot that's said here. A lot that's said here. <laughs> I guess the, the best way to summarize it is that he brings her back to the time where she's imprisoned and they are spraying, with her, spraying her with hoses and just humiliating her. What we learned from Odetta back in you mm-hmm. know, the last book. is, And so he's telling her that those rocks are those people. And he literally points to every single rock and gives them a title. And... The last one being Jack Morris. Yeah, that's the one I was looking at. I knew exactly where the, Oh, there it is right there. I've lost page. Yep, the last one being Jack Mort. Which at this point, she knows who Jack Mort is for sure. Oh, yeah. She knows he is the one who did all this. Like, even even in that moment, it's like, being that he jumped forward, like, off the uh, platform. That's just called. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jumped off the platform and screamed at her to look. Of course, she, she yes, she saw herself, but she also saw Jack Mort, and it just... One of the things that just snaps. And it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Hmm. And immediately after that little thing of the Jack Mort, we hear more birds. Yes. Behind them, in some distance, a tree splintered and fell over. More crows called in the sky. Deep in the game, which was no longer a game, neither of them noticed. So... He tries. To, he pretty much forces her to do it again. Now say your lesson, Susanna Dean, and be true. So we get the lesson again. And this time we go all the way. I do not kill with my gun. She who kills with her guns has forgotten the face of her father. I kill with my heart. Then kill them for your father's sake, Roland Shelt. Kill them all. And she just... In the blink of an eye. Her hand was a blur between the arm of the chair and the butt of Roland's six-gun. It was out in a second, her left hand descending, fanning at the hammer in flutters, almost as swift and delicate as the wing of a hummingbird. Six flat cracks peeled off across the valley, and five of the six chips of stone set atop the boulder blinked out of existence. For a moment, neither of them spoke, did not even breathe, it seemed. As the echoes rolled back and forth, dimming, even the crows were silent, at least for the time being. Good, but not perfect, she said at last. I missed one. Did you? (laughs) I walked over the boulder and picked it up. And there was a little, tiny, little bitty chip missing out of it. And Roland takes note is that 
When he throws it to her, she catches it, but she also has her hand hovering over the gun again. As though it's like, you have something being thrown at you. You be ready. Be ready. <laughs> and so, which he, he, he saw with approval because Eddie apparently had learned that very quickly. And this was something that she was still coming around to. That you have to be prepared no matter what. Well, as he says here, Eddie had to go through Balazar's nightclub. Yeah. <laughs> which was something all to itself. <laughs> She shot better and more naturally than Eddie, but had not learned his particular lesson as swiftly as Eddie had done. If she had been with, been with them during the shootout at Balazar's club, she might have. Yes, she looked at the stone and saw the notch, barely a sixteenth of an inch deep in its upper corner. You only clipped it, Roland said, returning to her, but in a shooting scrape, sometimes that's all you need. If you clip a fellow, throw his aim off. He paused. Why are you looking at me that way? Also, if, you're, if your ultimate goal was shoot someone in the chest and you missed your target a little bit... You should be fine. You still shot him in the chest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> unless you're hunting werewolves. And all hunting kinds what? Of creatures. I said unless you're hunting werewolves and all kinds of creatures. You have to aim for the heart. And if you don't hit the heart, you're screwed. you don't know do you you really don't so we have Roland who just pushed her to her very limits and he's just calm about everything giving her some you know pointers going you know you clipped it but you did good just like excuse me (laughs) No, your mind is often closed to me, Susanna. There is no defensiveness in his voice, and Susanna shook her head. Uh, the rapid turn and turn about the answer to her principle. Blah, blah. Oh, I forgot. I like that. I love that little piece. <laughs> he was the most literal man she had ever met. Yeah, that that ex- that's Roland. All right, she said. I'll tell you why I look at you the way I am. Not Roland, because you... What you did was a mean trick. You said you wouldn't slap me. Couldn't slap me. Even if it cut up rough. But either you lied or you're very stupid. And I know you ain't stupid. People don't always slap with their hands. As every man and woman of the race could testify. We have a little rumble, blah, blah, blah. Sticks and stones will break my bones. And then Roland throws in, Yet taunts shall never wound me. (laughs) Well, that's not exactly the way we say it. But I guess it's close enough. They don't call what you did a tongue lashing for nothing. Your words hurt me, Roland. Are you going to stand there and say you didn't know they would? He knew. He knew. I I did not think or care about your hurt, he said (laughs) patiently. I saw you show your teeth and knew you meant to bite. So I put a stick in your jaws. And it worked, didn't it? Of course, that is not really what you wanted to hear. You needed to bite. Had you not, you would have shot all wrong with your hand and your gun instead of your eye and mind and heart. Was that a trick? Was it arrogant? I think not. I think, Susanna, that you were the one with arrogance in her heart. I think you were the one with a mind to get up to tricks. That doesn't distress me. Quite the opposite. A gunslinger without teeth is no longer is no gunslinger. 
but not a gunslinger. He ignored that. He could afford to. As she was no gunslinger, and he was no Billy Bumbler. Yay, I mean, Billy he was, Bumbler! And he was a Billy Bumbler. If we were playing a game, I might have behaved differently, but this is no game. It. His good hand went to his forehead, and for a moment he paused there. Finger tensed, just above the left temple. The tips of his fingers, she saw, were trembling minutely. Roland, what's ailing you? She asked. Her and Eddie had both seen... Roland! Yeah. Roland, are you wondering what you can't see what's going on here? But we, we know something's going on. Something, he's, something not right. He's in the course that's not one of those things that you, you don't really pester Roland about stuff. You kind of just let it go. Eventually he'll tell you or he won't. And this <laughs> it's just getting worse. So he's pre- it's pretty much just like, Eddie and I, this isn't our world, Roland. Without you, we'd die here. We'd have your guns and we can shoot them. You taught us to do that well enough, but we'd die just the same. We, we depend on you, so tell me what's wrong. Let me try to help. Let us try to help. And then we get a very nice description of Roland's personality again. Mm-hmm. He had never been a man who understood himself deeply, or cared to. The concept of self-consciousness, let alone self-analyst, was alien to him. His way was to act. Too quickly consult his own interior, utterly mysterious workings, and then act. Of them, well, of them all, he had been the most perfectly made, a man whose deeply romantic core was encased in a brutally simple box which considered consisted of instincts and pragmatism pragmatism yeah he took one of those quick looks inside now and decided to tell her everything there was something wrong with him oh yes yes indeed something wrong with his mind something as simple as his nature and as strange as the weird wandering life into which the nature had implied him he opened his mouth to say, I'll tell you what's wrong, Susanna. I'll do it in three words. I'm going insane. But before <laughs> he can begin, another tree fell in the forest. Both heard it. Both heard the agitating cawing of the crows. And both registered the fact the tree had fallen close to their camp. To which Susanna is like Eddie. Good old Eddie, who's still back at the camp. Yes. So, of course, she's like, her hands flew to the wheels of her chair, and Roland's like, nope, no time, and just picks her up and bolts. Yeah, just on the <laughs> shoulders and runs. There's no way she's that light. I, just right on up there. Let's it's go. Roland. It says, but she was still amazed by his uncanny, ruthless speed. At one minute, she was in her wheelchair. And at the next, she was balanced precariously on Roland's shoulders like a cheerleader. It says, Oh, Detta, he cried, reverting in this moment of stress to the name by which he had first known her. Don't lose the gun for your father's sake. Don't you dare lose my gun. <laughs> that is important. Don't you dare lose that. A mile, she thought. How long to run a mile? How long with him going flat out like this? Not long if he can keep his feet on these slippery needles, but maybe too long. Let him be all right, Lord. Let my Eddie be all right. 
as if in answer she heard the unseen beast loose its cry again that vast voice was like thunder like, like doom. doom and then we get a perspective that is new I forgot where I was. He was okay. the, yep, he was the largest creature in the forest, which had once been known as the Great West Woods. And he was the oldest. Many of the huge old elms which Rolla had noticed in the valley had been a little more than twigs spouting from the ground when the bear came out of the dim unknown reaches of the outworld like a brutal wandering king. And once the old people had lived in the Westwoods and pretty much they left. They left in fear of the colossal undying bear. <laughs> undying bear. They had tried to kill him when they first discovered they were not alone in the new territory. But all their arrows enraged them, they did no serious damage, and he was not confused about the source of his torment. So pretty much it's like, they're like, giant bear, we kill it. And bear's like, no. <laughs> pretty much. That's pretty much how that worked out. I don't think so. <laughs> I'm a lot bigger than you. Uh, eventually, as his real nature became clear to them, their efforts to kill him ceased. He was, of course, a demon incarnate, or the shadow of a god. They called him Mer, Mer, Mir. I can't remember. It's Mir or Mer. I want to say it's Mer, but I'm not sure because I've heard it before. But uh, which to those people meant the world beneath the world. He stood seventy feet tall, and after eighteen or more centuries of the undisputed rule of the West, he was dying. Perhaps. The instruments of his death had been the first the microscopic organism. Uh, point was, Big Bear. Yes. Seventeen or eighteen centuries old. Yeah, and seventy feet high. It puts it into perspective. Like, how far in the future is Roland's world? Yeah. That's uh seventeen or eighteen hundred years. And so now. And that's a giant mechanical bear. Which we can't even possibly conceive at the moment. Giant bear. Okay. Giant bear that if one person hit him with anything, he killed four or five people in its place. And now because he drank some microscopic organism that gave him parasites, and he's getting old, he's, um... After years of calculating brutal sanity, Mir had run mad. Yeah, he's not a nice bear. He's not a nice bear. Yeah, uh, pretty much he had pretty much drawn away, lived his life, they lived their life. And then it says, Then the parasites had begun their work and his madness increased. He became sure that it was the old people again. So pretty much he hears and feels and senses Someone's in his forest again. We know who it is. and But he thinks, oh, they're back again to mess shit up. Man, he doesn't really care. He's just going to kill. Yeah. Kill, kill, kill. Yeah. It says, uh... I did not realize that. 
the air conditioner was on. It just shut off. I just turned it off. Or I turned it off before we started. I just heard it shut off. Yay. Hopefully that wasn't too big of a noise. Um, but pretty much, he also feels like the old people have poisoned him. So He's gone mad. <laughs> yeah. What was left was red rage, the rusty buzz of the thing on top of his head, the turning thing between his ears which had once done its work in smooth silence, and an eerily enhanced sense of smell which led him unerringly toward the camp of the three pilgrims. Yeah, I just, giant bear, just, he's also really gross. He's, every now and then he would sneeze and a muffled explosion of achoo and clouds of squirming white parasites would be discharged from his dripping nostrils. Yeah. yeah he's very sick, yeah. very insane bear. Yes. And then we go back a little bit. Two days before, Eddie Dean had begun carving again. The first time he tried to carve anything since the age of 12. He remembered that he had enjoyed doing it, and believed he must have been good at it as well. He couldn't remember that part, not for sure, but there was at least one clear indication that it was so. Henry, his older brother, had hated seeing, seeing him do it. Sweet. Because Henry... Douchebag. Yes. We have learned the relationship between Eddie and Henry was that Henry was the older brother, so he needed to be better at everything than Eddie was because he deserved to be better. Because he, he was, had Eddie's back. Yes, he was he, watching out yes, for Eddie. Yes. And so by Eddie being better than him at pretty much everything, <laughs> Eddie kind of dumbed himself down because he adored his brother. And also, I'm sure it didn't help that his brother sat there and made fun of him, but... Yeah, yeah. Oh, look look at the sissy, Henry would say. Watch and make in today, sissy. A dollhouse? A piss pot for your itty-bitty teeny-peeny? <laughs> oh, Henry, Henry, Henry. Yes, and so we once again get the story of Gloria Dean, their sister. Yes. And how she was hit by a drunk driver, and his mom tells them it's because no one was watching out for Gloria Dean. It's nobody else's fault. It's not the drunk driver's fault. It's no one's. It's only because no one was watching out for her. Yes. So Henry has got to watch out for Eddie. Yes. So Eddie just can't be good at anything, ever, because that would that would make Henry uncomfortable. Yes. Henry more nervous. Okay, if Eddie was doing something that did did make Henry more nervous, Eddie ought to cease doing that thing immediately. Mm. It was a way of paying Henry back for all the time Henry had spent watching out for Eddie. When you thought about it that way, you saw that doing things better than Henry could do them was very unfair. Mm. <laughs> but yes, so... We find out that uh, Henry had taught Eddie how to do all these things, but Eddie pretty much became better at everything he did. Eddie was naturally talented, and Henry wasn't yes. at anything. Yeah, it says that he was better at all these things, or could be better, was a secret that had to be kept at all costs, because Eddie was the younger brother. 
because Henry was watching out for him. But the most important part of the underneath reason was also the simplest. These things had to be kept secret because Henry was Eddie's big brother and Eddie adored him. And Henry, the douchebag. <laughs> yes. Plain and simple. Yes. Um, so now we jump back to... We're just still, I think, yeah, two days ago. two days ago. Susanna was skinning a rabbit. Yep, yep, yep. And, ro- and this is when Eddie found his fancy, what do they call it? a spur? Yes. Wood, a spur, a wood spur? Funny spur of wood jutting out of a fresh stump. And he got deja vu. Yeah. It had called up the memory of the brief period when he had fallen violently in love with wood carving. It was just that the memory was buried so deep he hadn't realized at first what it was. What he had loved most about carving was the seeing part, which had happened even before you began. Yeah, there's another little piece here. It's a whole paragraph, but just Eddie... Eddie feeling relief. Yes, I did write that down too. And joy. He was free. Yes. Free of Henry. Yes, because every time he's ever remembered something about Henry, it's either brought him sadness or sometimes he'd get angry or sometimes he'd just not feel anything. And now for this one time, he's thinking about something and it's just like, I can actually breathe. And so he starts to carve. He had borrowed Roland's knife and he used it to cut carefully around the jutting boss of wood. He was not looking at it. He was looking into it. Which I did like because of course Susanna comes to see what he's doing. And he's just, he kind of has the urge to kind of like hide it behind his back like you do when you're a kid. Like, oh, nothing, I'm not doing nothing. And says, I, I thought I'm, I thought I might, you know, carve something. He paused and added, I'm not very good, you know. He sounded as if he might be trying to reassure her of this fact. She had looked at him puzzled. For a moment, she seemed on the verge of saying something, then simply shrugged and left him alone. She had no idea why Eddie seemed ashamed to be passing a little time in the whittling. Her father had done it all the time, but if it was something that needed to be talked about, she supposed Eddie would get into it in his own time. It's all due to Henry. <laughs> mm. Slightly further down here, they finally mention what he's making. Eddie thought he was going to get almost all of it, and that meant the slingshot might actually turn out to be a pretty practical weapon. It would be something he had made himself just the same, his, and the idea pleased him very much. When the first crows rose in the air, cawing affrightedly, he did not hear. He was already thinking, hoping that he might see a tree with a bow trapped in it before long. He heard the bear approaching before Roland and Susanna did, but not much before. (laughs) And then he's like, Roland. He, you find out that Roland does not have his gun. 
that he left it behind in the camp. So Susanna has one of his guns, and Eddie has the other. And but that just, Eddie, it blows his mind. He's like, Roland, hey, he doesn't know how long it's been since Roland had gone anywhere with at least one of them. And that le- question led to two others. How old was he? <laughs> I wrote it down. How old is Roland? <laughs> this man who had plucked Eddie and Susanna from their world and their winds. And more important, what was wrong with him? Yeah, back to that. Yes. Uh, Roland, Roland, Roland. <laughs> yeah, and then of course we get back to Henry because Eddie kind of curses himself for not noticing something was coming this soon. And so he's like, now he could hear it. Or it says, far back in his mind, a small voice told him this is what he got. This was what he got for doing something better than Henry, for making Henry nervous. Oh, God. Oh. Yep, the King Kong-sized bear <laughs> is upon him. Upon Eddie there. I, I, I love how he just throws the knife. He just chucks the knife into a tree yep. and just... <laughs> just... <laughs> right into a tree. Yep, decides to stand or run. Well, it wasn't... Not much of a decision. The bears are too close. We can't run. Uh, but there might be a third option. Yes. I don't know if climbing a tree would have been the option I would have gone with. I don't know. Well, the thing... You already know this that... This bear is knocking trees down like it's nobody's business. <laughs> but we get we we get a little later on... A little, like, a little later on maybe a couple paragraphs later on, that this tree is different than the ones he's knocking down. Because even Roland earlier, when he's hearing the crashes, is like, uh, how they sounded, he's like, dry trees, dead trees. So. Still. Yes, it's a 60-foot, 70-foot bear. 70-foot bear, which means I have to probably climb higher than 70-foot. The bear is knocking down trees, and my goal is to climb a tree. That would have been my choice. I'm just saying. Maybe know. I'm dead, but I don't know if that would have been my choice. Well, what would have been your choice, though? Because it's like you either run and it's knocking down trees, so either you're going to get killed by a but tree. But the trees could slow it down. Maybe I could get away. Or Climbing can... the tree and hoping I can climb the tree faster <laughs> than he can get to the tree to get to me. Like I said, it just wasn't in my, my personal choice. It was easily the tallest tree in this part of the woods. But yeah, so it, it, the bear would have had him just the same, would have left Eddie Dean's guts hanging in gaudy strings from the lowest branches of the pine if another of those sneezing fits had not come at that moment. And he, Eddie took that time. He's like, you go ahead and sneeze, I'm out. Yeah, it's like... Henry was no. Uh, it says he was in terror, already half convinced that he was going to die. What else could he expect now that Henry wasn't around to watch out for him? But a crazy laughter raved through his head, just the same. Been treed, he thought. How about that? Sports fans been treed by Bearzilla. Bearzilla. Oh, the Bearzilla. So it's a King Kong-sized bear named Bearzilla. Why not? 
Godzilla and King Kong have been massively different sizes and almost everything they've appeared in. So. And hopefully here in the next couple months we'll have Godzilla to watch. Yeah. And they're already working on Godzilla vs. King Kong. So. Oh, interesting. Yes. I don't, what, what, what side are you on? Godzilla's. King Kong can die. We don't care about King Kong. <laughs> I know, but... It's, They've both been portrayed as goodish guys, so yeah. why would but King Kong is better? You just said King Kong. Whatever, better. Godzilla, one of them. It's Godzilla. been recorded. Godzilla's better. Uh, so yes, but anyway, so I'm sure they'll team up to fight something bigger. Or probably, but either way, Eddie has anyway. climbed this tree. He has finally made it out of, pretty much out of reach, reach, and is like, well, I think at one point he loses a shoe. Yep. He, it swipes, takes the branches, and takes a shoe. Yes, and it just flings it across the forest. I would have laughed. It would have like hit Suzanne on the head. But, <laughs> but uh, and so he finally gets out of reach and kind of is just looking down and does his Eddie thing where he starts to mock. And as soon as he does, doesn't even get halfway through it, the bear sneezes on him. Mm-hmm. And that's just nasty. Oh, yeah, very nasty. <laughs> very, very, very nasty. The worms were dying, he realized. Must have begun dying as soon as they left the infected swamps inside the monster's body. Very, very nasty. Just all over your face, all over your shirt. It's like, nope. <laughs> but looking down, there was something growing out of the bear's skull. And to Eddie, it looked like a small radar dish. Now that we're playing story time. Oh, we you know the bear finally get around to the bear. It actually does have the satellite dish on its head. Except, I don't know. I feel it seems smaller. The, the, what, the radar? Yeah. Or the satellite dish? Yeah. Yeah. They portray it to be small. Let's go with that. Because that, that's pretty massive. Not compared to the bear, but still big. Yeah. So pretty much Eddie's just kind of like trying to hang on for dear life. The creature pretty much has decided that it can't break the thing down. It can't climb up himself. So he's going to bear hug the tree, pun intended, and shake it. Shake it. Shake it like a shawl. Shake it. (laughs) Eddie grabbed the trunk and held on for dear life, squeezed his eyes into grim slits as the pine began to sway back and forth like a pendulum. And a Mexican standoff. (laughs) I think the bear has the advantage. Severely has the advantage. (laughs) I thought I missed something, but I guess I didn't. So we swap back over to Roland. Halted at the edge of the clearing, Susanna perched on his shoulders, stared unbelievably across the open space. The creature stood at the base of the tree where Eddie had been. Only two of them have left. Forty-five minutes ago. Yes, so, oh my God! She murmured. Yes, because all they did is they approach the clearing. They see what's going on, and all they see is an empty gun belt next to the tree, and this bear just attacking a tree. 
And then she finally looks up and actually sees. What do we do? It's going to shake him loose. What do we do? Roland tried to think about it, but the queer sensation had returned again. It was always with him now, but stress seemed to make it worse. He felt like two men existing inside one skull. Each man had its own set of memories, and when they began to argue, each insisting that his memories were the true ones, the gunslinger felt as if he were being ripped in two. He made a desperate effort to reconcile these two halves and succeeded, at least for a moment. It's one of the twelve, he shouted. One of the guardians. Must be. But he thought they were the bear bellowed at Eddie. Now it began to slap at the tree like punchy fighter? Like a punchy fighter. Sure. Branches snapped and fell around the feet of the tangle. What? Susan screamed? Susanna screamed. What's the rest? Roland closed his eyes inside his head and a voice shouted, The boy's name was Jake. Another voice shouted back, There was no boy. There was no boy. You know it. Get away, both of you. He snarled and then called out loud, Shoot it. Shoot it in the ass, Susanna. It'll turn and charge. When it does, look for something on its head. When you could hear again, Rolla shouted, I think it looks like a hat. A little steel hat. Shoot it, Susanna. And don't miss. Yeah, shoot a little hat off. I wouldn't call it a hat, but... <laughs> Well, it's on the head. It is on the head. The bear means to snap the top of the tree off. Well, yeah. I mean, they said that there was starting to be grinding, popping noises from the top of the tree. So, yeah. I'm sure if you punch in places enough, it's going to get a little bit thinner and then you start shaking it again. She fired twice, squeezing the shots as Roland had taught her. The heavy reports cut across the sound of the bear shaking the tree like the cracks of a bullwhip. She saw both bullets strike home in the left cheek of the bear's rump, less than two inches apart. It shrieked in surprise, pain, and outrage. Then pretty much just kind of reached down, pulled its paw back up, saw the blood, and was pissed. (laughs) Angry bear. He'd been shot. Not a happy bear. With a shattering roar. And we're back to say your lesson. Yes, say your lesson, Susanna Dean, and be true. And this time, I think she more or less says it in her head instead of out loud. Very possible. I don't know. It looks like a hat. A little steel hat. She saw it. But it didn't look like a hat to her. It looked like a radar dish. Not a hat at all. Yeah, but pretty much she she goes over the lesson in her head she has to have done this in her head because her own thoughts keep interjecting like she starts saying the lesson but then she goes I can't do it and it says it again and she's like I'm going to miss and then shoot it Roland Ward Susanna shoot it with the trigger as yet unpulled, she saw the bullet go home, guided from muzzle to target by nothing more or less than her heart's fierce desire that it should fly true. All fear fell away. 
What was left was a feeling of deep coldness, and she had time to think, This is what he feels? My God, how does he stand it? And then she's like, I will ki I kill with my heart, she said, and the gunslinger's revolver roared in her hand. And good old Mur, 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 whatever his name is on that. Meemoop. Or his false name is. Not feeling so well anymore. No. Just hits the radar dish, snaps off at the pool. And it's just this warbling sound, and he's going crazy now. He's walking in circles. He doesn't know what's going on. Uh, go home, bear. You're drunk. <laughs> it turned in a wide, staggering circle and began to flap its arms as if it had decided to fly away. <laughs> Should I shoot it again? <laughs> like, no need. Uh, he's done with. You, you don't have to worry about Meanwhile, Eddie's crawling backwards down the tree. Well, you get out of the tree. Let's see. Wow. So, so, yeah. Where are we? Where are you? Where are we? I at? was just going to say, we're pretty much that he, of course, is. The bear's kind of just staggering, staggering around still. Eddie gets down, kind of goes to say something and the bear starts to move towards him he's like nope <laughs> we don't want to get crushed by 70 foot bear and who knows how much a thing weighs yeah. so it's impossible it, to tell so it pretty much says a spasm convulsed it bowed its back its front claws rose and gored madly at its own face worm infested blood flew and splattered then it fell over making the ground tremble with its fall and lay still after all its strange centuries, the bear the old people had called Myrrh, the world beneath the world, was dead. Goodbye, bear. Goodbye, bear. Goodbye. Next page, good old Roland walks over to it. <laughs> Hello, stranger, he thought. Hello, old friend. I never believed in you, not really. I believe Alan did. And I know that Cuthbert did. Cuthbert believed in everything. But it was the hard-headed one. I thought you were only a tale for children. Another wind which blew around in my old nurse's hollow head before finally escaping her jabbering mouth. But you were here all along. Another refuge of the old times. Like the pump at the way station and the old machines under the mountains. Are the slow mutants who worshipped those broken remnants, the final descending descendants of the people who once lived in the forest, finally fled your wrath? I don't know. We'll never know. But it feels right. Yes. And then I came with my friends, my deadly new friends, who are becoming so much like my deadly old friends. We came, weaving our magic circle around us and around everything we touch. Strand by poisonous strand, and now here you lie at our feet. The world has moved on again, and this time, old friend, you it's you who have moved, it's you who have been left behind. I was just sitting here, sweet baby Jesus stuff. I was sitting here reading it, going, This is so touching, and, and then just, just screw like... up the last line <laughs> so horribly. It's like, Idi, Idi, Idi. Yes, and this time, old friend, it's you 
who have been left behind. <sighs> Goodbye, Bear. Goodbye. The world had moved on once again. It's like, and of course, he's like, he called it a guardian. It's like, I thought they were all gone, must all be gone, if they ever existed outside of the old wives' tale in the first place. Whatever it was, it was crazy. Eddie said, Roland smiled a little. If you lived two or three thousand years, you'd be crazy too. See, first we get 17, 18 centuries. Now we get two to three thousand years. Two to three millennium. Bit insane. So that's when we come across the first metal panel. And we will see these throughout the book. We saw one of these before, didn't we? Wasn't there... Didn't we see one in the first book under the mountain somewhere? Maybe. Maybe? Or even on the pump? Because we, we, yeah, we've read this it, before. Yeah, it might have been on the way station. Pump. Or we've read the name before. Yes. North Central Path okay, of Tracks. So this would be the second time. I yeah, know we've was, seen it before. There was one um, either... It was under the mountains like in... Like the mining area mm-hmm. with Jake, or it was on the way, way station pump. I yeah, remember. It's one of those, but we've seen the North Central Pontronics before. Yes. But this is it once again, and it will be prominent throughout the series. Yes. Uh, design for Guardian, serial number, really non well, number <laughs> nine, but do we care? Type slash species, bear, shardic. Subnuclear cells must not be replaced. So, the bear's name is Shardik. Shardik the bear. Yes. Shardik. Nobody cares about Mur. Who's Mur? Nobody's Mur. <laughs> Shardik. It says, it's a robot. It can't be. When I shot it, it bled. Maybe so, but your ordinary garden variety bear doesn't have a radar dish growing out of its head. And so far as I know, your ordinary garden variety bear doesn't live to be two or three... He broke off suddenly, looking at Roland. When he spoke again, his voice was revolted. Roland, what are you doing? (laughs) Yes, Roland, what are you doing? (laughs) So Roland has leaned down, gone over to the bear pretty much, knelt down in front of its face, and is jabbing its eye out with a knife. Just like popping that sucker out. And mm. just flinging it aside. Yeah, not, yeah. To which he's like, come and look, both of you. I'll show you the wonder of the latter days. And immediately Susanna's like, put me down, I want to see this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Shardik is uh, definitely a robot uh, slash cyborg. Yes. Like Robocop. <laughs> yeah, we get that on the next couple pages. Ooh. But... Pretty or much. like a Sony Walkman. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what? Never mind. Oh. I think it's like, do you think it's safe to reach in? I think so. If there was a demon in this creature, it is split. Yeah. Okay, Roland. It's like, hey, we know demons are real, okay? We Roland has dealt with a demon. Shardik, Eddie murmured. I know that name, but I can't place it. Does it mean anything to you, Suze? She shook her head. The thing is, Eddie laughed helplessly. I associate with I associate it with rabbits. Isn't that nuts? And Roland's pretty much just like, dude, the ro- the ground's now gross. We need to leave. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we gotta move camp. 
Which I forgot to look that up. The whole what? rabbits and shardic thing. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Because now that it reminds me of something. But Eddie and Susanna exchanged a single fright. Oh, wait. oh that's right. Because it says, He took two trembling steps and then collapsed to his knees, palms pressed to the sides of his sagging head. Poor Roland. There was a boy, the gunslinger said, in a distant, muttering voice, and then, in the very next breath, there wasn't a boy. The boy, Roland said, looking at her with floating, dazed eyes. It's the boy. Always the boy. What boy? Eddie yelled frantically. What boy? Go then, Roland said. There are other worlds than these. And fainted. Good night, Roland. It's time for you a nappy, nappy, nap. In both books so far, Roland's had it hard. He's, he's been passing out a lot. Uh, what from poison, being poisoned to death. Now he's finally getting past that. Now he's going insane. Well, I mean, poor fella. He's, he's, we don't know how old he is. He's had a <laughs> crazy life. Poor, poor fella. You have two hands. I, I didn't think about it, okay? <laughs> we just keep pushing it. It will come back. Shardick is a 1974 fantasy novel by Richard Adams. Sure. I, I didn't know this. Is this something to do with rabbits? Um, no, it's 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 the name of an incredibly large bear called oh. Lord Shardick. Oh? I don't know what it has to do with rabbits, but... Um... Someone said Watership Down, but I don't remember what that has that to do with Shardis, but Anyways, the night the three of them sat around a huge bonfire Eddie and Susanna had built in the clearing, the shooting gallery. I do like that part, though, how um, Eddie, pretty much in this part, Eddie, or the gunslinger has told them, not in this part, but I guess previously, has told them the story of creation and the sun and the moon and his their version of it pretty much and I thought that was actually really interesting. Yes, with old mother and old old star and old mother. Yes. A very interesting story. <laughs> pretty much old mother had caught old star talking to Cassiopeia and was like, "No." <laughs> and in the anger created the earth and the moon and the sun. And yeah. Pretty much she had started throwing dishes and stuff and that little beats, pieces breaking off became all the planets and everything like that. Yeah, just... Really interesting <laughs> theory on that. And then it says, In the end, the gods had stepped in so Apon and Lydia might not in their anger destroy the universe before it, be before it was fairly begun. Cassiopeia, the saucy jade who had caused the trouble in the first place, yeah, right, it's always the woman, Susanna said, had been banished to a rocking chair made of stars forever and ever. Yet not even this had solved the problem. Lydia had been willing to try again, but Apon was stiff-necked and full of pride. Yeah, always blame it on the man, Eddie said. Or Eddie grunted at this point. So they had parted, and now they look at each other in mingled hatred and longing from across the star-strewn wreckage of their divorce. 
I just love how it says, Old star and old mother, the north and the south, each pining for the other, but both now too proud to beg for reconciliation. And Cassiopeia sits off to the side in her chair, rocking and laughing at them both. She got the last laugh. (laughs) But yes. Yes, but now we get the story. Rollins, time for Rollins to explain who the Guardians are, what's going on, to the best of his knowledge, anyway. Yes. Hmm. He pretty much, they've made this fire. Rollins not been eating. He's just been staring at the fire, holding the jawbone. And Susanna's, this. they come over and sit on either side of him, and he's just like, hey, sitting kind of close to me. <laughs> hmm. Susanna leaned forward and touched the jawbone. Roland held it in his hands. It frightened her, but she touched it anyway. Uh, and finish with this. Yes, Roland lifted the jawbone to his eye level and looked at it for a moment before dropping it back into his lap. We'll have to speak of this, won't we? It's the center of this thing. But the bear came first. The bear. Uh, so we, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say. No. Uh, Roland said, uh, when everything was new, the great old ones, they weren't gods, but people who had almost the knowledge of gods, created twelve guardians to stand watch at the twelve portals, which lead in and out of this world, sometimes. So we get the portals, and then we get hacks told him. Get hacks again. Yes. Uh, it's amazing how important hacks was to him. Well, I mean, that's why that's why it killed him when he found out, or that's why it angered him so much when he found out that Hax was betraying all of them. It, that's what burned him so badly, is because he got all his tales when Cork beat him and told him that they're not getting food. Hax is like here, so it's like they he, they really res- like trusted him, and so that's why when Hax turned around and been working for. The, uh, the good man? The good man, I think it was. Good, good man John Farson or something. Yeah. I don't know. Anyways, but that's why when he found out, he was like, I want to see him hang. Roland, you kill everyone you ever know. <laughs> you kill everyone. So, yes, we get another story of the creation of the Guardians, and we learn about pretty much... Eddie wants to know if the portals are like the doors, and... Roland explains that these the portals are actually outside of that. And he's like, they're outside, Ka? <laughs> uh, I love those little things. Uh, Roland doesn't uh, doesn't know. And Eddie's over here, well, make a guess, Eddie exclaimed. <laughs> they knew, blah, blah, blah. His voice is the guts together, blah, blah, Returning to his own world. And Susanna, even now, not entirely. Leave him be, Eddie, Susanna said. The man don't guess. Not true. Sometimes the man does, Roland said, surprising them both. When there's no other option, the man does guess. He says, I think the doors on the beach, the ones that led into the world you both came from, were like the pivot at the center of a child's teeterboard. Do you know what that is? A seesaw? Susan asked and tipped her hand back and forth to demonstrate. Yes, Roland agreed, looking pleased. Just so, one end of this saucy... Seesaw, Eddie said. Yes, one end, my ka, 
on the other that of the man in black. The doors were the center, creations of the tension between the two opposing destinies. The other portals are things far greater than Walter or me. Are you saying that the portals were these guardians stand were outside Ka? I'm saying that I believe so. That I guess so. Are they beyond Ka? Beyond our focus? Get out. I see the word beyond! I'm throwing it out there. I'm just throwing it out there. So we get a nice little circular description. See, I'd be curious how that works necessarily when you apply that to the Earth necessarily. Why? Is that like on the edges that oh, the beams know. go both ways? Flat Earth. <laughs> That's what it looks like. That's what it looks like. And if that is a tower, if the beams go the other way as well, what's on the other side? But if they don't, then what's on the other side of the earth? And why are these beams only here? I, mean, I don't I don't understand. I don't know either, okay? This plane of existence does not make sense to me. But he marks out the 12 guardians, or the 12 portals, and then, well, 12 guardians and 12 portals. Yes. And then how all of them connect to one thing. Yes. The tower. The tower. The dark All tower. beams lead to the tower. Mm-hmm. The thirteenth gate. Yes. Which rules not just this world, but all worlds. He tapped the center of the circle. Here is the dark tower for which I've searched my whole life. Dun, dun, dun. So we find out the animals. The bear, the fish, the lion, the bat, and the turtle. We find out some of the animals. Because yeah. he doesn't remember all of them. Yeah. I love the little poem, though. I love the little poem <laughs> yes. on the next page. Uh, See the turtle of enormous girth. On his shell he holds the earth. His thought is slow, but always kind. He holds us all within his mind. On his back he vows, uh, all vows are made. He sees the truth, but mayn't aid. He loves the land and loves the sea, and even loves a child like me. It's so cute. And the thing <laughs> is right before it says, The gunslinger looked up into the starry sky, his brow creased in deep thought. Then an amazingly sunny smile broke across his features and he recited. And then he recited. Roland uttered a small bemused laugh. Hacks taught that to me, singing it as he stirred the frosting for some cake and gave me a little of the sweet from the edge of the spoon. Amazing what we remember, isn't it? But... I came to believe that the guardians didn't really exist, that they were symbols. It seems that I was wrong. And then that's Eddie's grand explanation. <laughs> well, they called him a robot, but more like a cyborg. Oh, well, kind of like a movie called RoboCop. I, I don't know if I've ever seen all the RoboCops. I know, I, I know, I know I've, I've seen, seen at least two. I think I've seen two as well, I think. But it's been so long, I don't remember them very well. I've seen the remake. Didn't, yeah, I was going to say, and then the remake. I think I've seen two and then a remake. Huh. Which remake just didn't have the same... Just no. wasn't... Uh... I don't know. I just It's been a while. Yeah, it has. <laughs> it says, How did you know where she, would, she should shoot it? That I remembered from the old tales as Hacks told them. He said, If it had been up to my nursemaid, Eddie, you'd be in the belly of the bear now. Do they sometimes tell puzzled children in your world to put on their thinking caps? 
It's said here as well, and the saying comes from the story of the guardians. Each supposedly carried an extra brain on the outside of its head in a hat. It didn't look much like a hat, did it? <laughs> no, it did not. When we find the portal the Shardik guarded, and that should only be a matter of following its back trail, we will finally have a course to follow. We must set the portal to our backs and then simply move straight ahead at the center of the circle, the tower. So Roland, after all of these years, after all of his friends, after meeting Eddie and then Susanna and Jake and everybody else, he has finally, finally found a way to get to the tower that's possible. Yes, finally. So now we come to the other part, Roland said heavily. I finally found my course after all these long years. I found my course, but at the same time, I seem to be losing my sanity. I can feel it crumbling away beneath my feet, like a steep embarkment which has never existed. Nope, mm-hmm. I skipped something. Oh, well, oh, oh, oh. a steep embarkment which has been loosened by rain. This is my punishment for letting the boy who never existed fall to his death. And that is also Ka. I just like the statement yes. for letting the boy who never existed yes. fall to his death. It's just- who is this boy, Roland? Roland glanced at Eddie. Do you know? Eddie shook his head. But I spoke of him. In fact, I raved of him when the affection was at its worst and I was near dying. It's like, if you don't shut up about the kid, Roland... Oh, okay. It says, The gunslinger's voice suddenly rose half an octave and his imitation of Eddie's voice was so good that Susanna felt a coil of superstitious fright. If you don't shut up about that kid, Roland, I'll gag you with your own shirt. I'm sick of hearing about him. Do you remember saying that, Eddie? And Eddie thought. So he was thinking of all the things Roland had ever told him and everything while he was having his fits and just all of this stuff. But it says he couldn't remember ever telling Roland he would gag him. It says nothing comes to you, nothing at all. Was there something, some far-off tickle like the feeling of deja vu? Eddie tried to find that tickle, but it was gone. He decided it had never been there in the first place. He only wanted it to be there because Roland hurt, was hurting so badly. What's up? <laughs> hey. Ah. So yes, he... He pretty much is trying to convince them and says, But I did tell you, Roland's tone was calm. The boy's name was Jake. I sacrificed him, killed him, in order that I might finally catch up with Walter and make him talk. I killed him under the mountains. Says, Well, maybe that happened, but it's not what you said happened. You said you went under the mountains alone. You talked about that a lot. I remember, but I also remember telling you about the boy, how he fell from the trestle into the chasm. And Susanna's like, I don't understand any of this. She didn't get any of this. But but Eddie did, and things have changed. Yes. Because even when we were reading, we know that Roland was talking about Jake. Mm -hmm. So now, suddenly, Eddie, it's gone from Eddie's memory. Mm -hmm. Says, I think that I'm, says, I don't understand any of this, Susanna said worriedly. I think, Roland said, that I'm just beginning to. 
And we go, we start getting the story of what he did and how he did it and getting the story and getting Jake underneath the... Or how he met Jake and how he didn't meet Jake, how he yes. got to the way station and, oh, just stayed a night or two, get water all by himself and left. Or the story we know, him meeting Jake, him going underneath, him getting the jawbone. Yes. But not this jawbone. Yes. And I, I just like how they explain it because it says that, all right, that's what really happened. Now tell us the rest of what didn't happen. <laughs> Gotta find some way to separate him. <laughs> so he, of course, goes into the description of meeting Jake actually in the way station and how he heard some strange noises or strange voices. I, yeah, mine's like... Not until and these are completely not in the right spot. No. Mine's not. Yours is even further wrong. Yeah. So my my bear was closer, but this one's way, way. Yeah, this happened so far back. I don't know. It should have been reversed. Well, no, it should have been a little bit closer. Yeah, never mind. It shouldn't have been reversed. But we go, and it just says. <laughs> That he he went down into the cellar and told the demon to speak. And the demon said, Go slow past the drawers, gunslinger. While you travel with the boy, the man in black travels with your soul in his pocket. And of course, we all remember that. And so then Susanna's like, the drawers? So that brings something to mind for her. It's a very interesting description thing we have here. <laughs> I was very not interested in it at all. No. And the interpretation, they went to connect, and it's like, this is weird. What do you mean? Oh, about from Susanna's view on what the drawers were? To that, to Roland, to eventually, the drawers, they have another name. The Wastelands. I'm like, do we really need to... This is a little much. This is a little much. Pretty much, the summary of it is that the drawers in uh, Odetta's, Susanna's world was from Detta because she used to go to the drawers, which is the shady area, the shady place that didn't feel quite right, but it felt powerful kind of thing. And Roland said, we had a drawers as well, as you see in my world. It was slang for us too, and the meanings were similar. It says it varied from place to place, but most common meaning that I know is also the simplest. He looked at them both. The drawers are a place of desolation. He said, the drawers are the wastelands. And thus we have the first... Mention of the, the title it's, of the book. It's like in movies when you finally get the name of the movie in the movie. Yes, so. It always happens. You, get, you have to say it. Yes. Oh yeah, we're, we're pretty much done. We, yeah. have just, we have just one more little piece. Yep. The 15. 15. That is it. We are good. So then that is the part where pretty much Roland is now on to the point of the jawbone. Yep, I'm uh, under the mountain sacrificing little Jake. And... Oh, yeah, because he, the jawbone he's looking at right now, he says that because he had a jawbone. When he went with Jake, mm -hmm. and that J that jawbone, he said he said he gave to Jake and then discarded it later on. Yeah, it served its purpose. Yes, and then it's he talks about, of course, like you said, 
um, having the long palaver with Walter and waking up and a hundred years have passed. Is that weird? hundred yeah. years. A <laughs> hundred years dead at least and probably more. There was nothing left of him but bones, which was fitting enough since we were in a place of bones. How old are you, Owen? I <laughs> And says, um, you came into the morning and reached the Western Sea that very evening. And he said, that night the lobstrosities came, right? Yes, but before I left the place where Walter and I had spoken or dreamed or whatever it was we did, I took this from the skull of his skeleton. He's been carrying it around with him all this time, like some kind of a cannibal trophy. <laughs> I remember what I thought when I took it, Roland said. I remember very well. It was the only memory I have of that time which hasn't doubled on me. I thought it was bad luck to throw away what I found when I found the boy. This will replace it. Only then I heard Walter's laughter, his mean, tittery laughter. I heard his voice, too. What did he say, Susanna asked. Too late, gunslinger. Roland said. Uh, that's what he said. What? That's so weird. Yeah. Oh, too late, gunslinger. Roland said, that's what he said. Too late. Your luck will be bad from now on until the end of eternity. That is your call. Dun, dun, dun. And there is chapter... Part one of chapter one bear and bone of book one jake um jake what is it called a fist a handful of dust yeah a fistful of dust something like that there's so many pages to get to the thing i've been looking the whole time uh fear in a handful oh, of dust no, i wasn't even close of dust. book three of the dark tower series titled the wastelands there's too much there's too much that's all, that's all I gotta say. It's too much. This is... <laughs> King, just... Just do... Just do this right. This is a lot. It's a lot. He likes it in sections, okay? Weird sections. It can't just be, oh, it's called The Wasteland, and there's just like 25 chapters, and we're done. This isn't Harry Potter, okay? <sighs> but it's simpler. <laughs> the, the, the 14 naming mechanisms he has for this. Well, I don't think he expected someone to... Do a such in-depth, over-the-internet <laughs> review of it. I mean, you're sure in 98 or whenever he wrote this, he wasn't <laughs> yeah. he wasn't sure that was going to happen? 98. Um, it was <laughs> cute. King Steve. I said King and Steve. Yeah. 1947. The Wastelands. Probably not. Yeah. I'm going to throw it out there. Probably <laughs> not 1947. Pretty sure King's not that old. Uh, well, The Wolf of Kala is coming 2003. Oh, okay. It so, was... But this is two books before that. Well, it says, The Wasteland Suing King Illustrated by Ned, blah, 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 blah. should say when that this particular, when your version, my version came out. Well, my out. version came out in, 90, well, it's copyrighted 1991. Uh, this but... one's copyrighted 19, yeah, 19, it's gotta be 1991 then. That makes the most sense. 1991. And then 2003 illustration copy, and then 1991 all rights reserved. It's got to be 1991. It's, uh, so, yep. 
Excerpts from the Wasteland and collected poems in nineteen or yeah, nineteen oh nine to nineteen sixty two by T. S. Eliot. Copyright nineteen thirty six. So that's from from printing January nineteen ninety two. So it's gotta be in that general area. Yeah. So yeah, nineteen ninety one. And then mine came back this came this particular one came out in two thousand three. Or it looked like it did. Yeah, because yeah, early had to be early two thousand three, preparing probably for the um, what uh, November two thousand four release of the next. So one. the nineteen nineties is when this one. Yeah, nineteen ninety one, nineteen ninety two. So yeah, you sure he didn't understand the internet and how that was going to work in nineteen ninety one? Pretty pretty sure. It's pretty sure. Pretty sure. Come on, come on. King's got all kind of awesome powers. You sure he can't see the future? Not quite. <laughs> Well, we hope you enjoyed part one of chapter one of book <laughs> we, we one of book three. We, we hope you enjoyed the show and <laughs> our go through of this first little nice section that we did. Yes, yes. Uh, I very much enjoy this book. This, yes. this, is a, this is a really great book. It I really, really love really this is. book. So, I don't know. Let's see. Might be one of my favorite books of the, of the series. I would say it's so. really good. It's really good. Uh, the first three... Probably definitely my favorite because we find we just everyone the gangs together. Yes, and that's awesome. That's that's what makes a lot of the books so good. Um, Wizard and Glass also really good, mm-hmm. but a different story, a really different story compared to what everything yeah. else is. You get more of Wolf of Color. Yeah, no, we'll get through it. Um, Songs of Susanna, good, and then the last book is really really good. So yes. <laughs> We'll just go with yes. Anyway. As goodbye, Leaf. As always, you can reach me at Stars Untraveled. I can say my name right this time. <laughs> reach Amanda at KZ Pop Fruits the Show at Beyond Our Focus on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and podcast services around the globe. Are you sure it's not straight across the globe? It might be. There's things we don't know what's going on. <laughs> Flat Earth. It's, you can't reach the other side. It's hard. People don't live down there. There's no gravity. It's just hell. <laughs> Probably. Why not? Oh, like turtle. the video. A There's a turtle underneath here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sure. It's as plausible as a flat earth. So, uh, like the video. Subscribe to the channel. We'd appreciate it. And uh, leave comments down below. Let us know what you're thinking of the book series that you're hopefully reading or listening to in some manner other than just us. Because we skip so much, it's not even yeah. funny. <laughs> even though these videos are long. But... But there's a so King has a way, and it's, it's sometimes his downfall because there are people who don't like it. But King has a very good way of describing the scene for you and setting up everything. Some people don't like that. They're like, it takes too damn long. Mm-hmm. But I like seeing with the trees and stuff. There's a point of going too far, and I kind of feel when I started reading this book. Um, after reading the other ones, like back to back to back, yeah. this one automatically felt different. I would from the other so ones. Yeah. Like the, I mean, of course, the first one is distinct, a little bit feels a little yeah. more western, and then we went to the second one. But this one, in my opinion, it it felt different. It felt like his writing was different for yes. this particular book. And I think that increases as you go further. Just gets weirder just, and weirder and weirder. Well, it's not just the weirdness; it's just the, the writing itself. But well, no, I'm just him growing like as he, a writer. Yes, so. yeah. For better or for worse. <laughs> All right. Anything else? All right.
until next time, long days and pleasant days.